This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. And Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, please speak to us. Holy Spirit, reveal the scriptures to us. Let us see and know Jesus in a new and fresh dimension today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Let somebody shout hallelujah. Now, only the living, only the living now, uh, and those of you online as well, if you know you are alive and you are well, shout the loudest hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, and that was the test. Unfortunately, everybody failed. You cannot shout hallelujah sitting down. The Bible says the angels and all the 24 elders, they bow before they stand and they bow. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Hallelujah. Let the living shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Congratulations. You have been successful. God bless you. Please be seated. <laughs> hallelujah. So today we, we continue with our study. And uh, we've been joining for about eight weeks in First John uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 is where we have been for some time now. And uh, I've told you there are a few high topics, topics that stand out in this book. One of which is love, God's love for us, our love for God, our love for one another. is one of the things that stands out. So to this morning, uh, let's talk about love. How about that? You know, I see Shewi is smiling. You know, newlyweds, you can tell. <laughs> Let's talk about love. If you have ever fallen in love before, wave your hand. If you are married, you better wave your hand. <laughs> because we have cameras, you don't know. Maybe you're, <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> if you are still in love, wave your hand. Okay. I'm checking out my wife. She had better be lifting up her hand. <laughs> love is a beautiful thing. Love is a beautiful thing. Love is a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to fall in love. You know, and I noticed some of the young people, they were afraid to lift up their hand. So the parents would not say, who are you in love with? I mean, you can be in love with an art, with a craft. You may love to sing. Amen. You may love to cook. There are many things that you can love. <laughs> Not just a person, you know. Uh, I wasn't paying attention to my children. I, I was more focused on my wife. I wanted, she must, uh, her hand had better be up. Otherwise, you will join me in prayer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, but when, when I talk about love this morning, I, I don't just mean love for a person. Uh, love for anything or love of anything of any kind. You know, love is beautiful. Uh, one of the things about love, when you are in love, you are passionate. There's passion. Passion comes with love. There is not a person yet in love that does not have passion. In fact, the way we know that you are really in love with what you say you are in love with is your passion. Praise the Lord. For example, if you, let me start with the choir. You are in the choir. 
you know, you say, I love to sing, you know, and uh, the choir director has told you that well, this is the song you'll be singing, and they gave you the song, and you come for practice, you are not ready for the song. It shows you lack passion. Amen? When you are in love, love drives you. Love makes you. That's why love is a verb, is an action word. There's something you want to do. In fact, people that are in love are kind of besides themselves. You know, there's, there's a lot of crazy things you do when you're in love and for the one that you love. You make all kinds of sacrifices. I remember when Stanley and Felicia bought their house, he told me, he said, we already had a conversation. I told my wife, I must have a studio. <laughs> Even when they were living in an apartment, he dedicated a corner for a studio. There is no wondering about his love for music. You know that this, this guy, he loves music. Amen? So when you love, love drives you. There's a passion that comes with love. Amen? When you see... Uh, when you see someone that says, I love you, the things they do following that, you know, will show you that this person truly is in love. And uh, I, I'm just saying this as teasers so that some of you that don't pay attention, men, that don't pay attention to our group, uh, can begin to wonder what I'm talking about. You know, uh, I think it was Friday, was it? Was it Friday or Thursday that I posted that video? that we all were commenting on, talking about kneeling, you know, and the guy refused to kneel to propose to the lady. They had been engaged five years. And the guy said, are you for real? You are not going to kneel down? Both of them are stupid in one way or another. You know, she too, she threw away five-year relationship because the man didn't kneel down. What have you been doing for five years? You know, but love makes you do crazy things. Makes you do crazy things. I remember uh, when I proposed to my wife, I didn't kneel to start with, you know. But, but that's because I didn't know better at the time, you know. And she accepted my sincerity. <laughs> but I did buy her a ring. You know, the ring I bought was too big. I don't know. Something in my head did just not tell me that you need to measure before you buy a ring. I just bought a ring. I said, this, ah, this must be good. By the time she put it, in fact, it could fit almost two fingers. <laughs> but guess what? Love, crazy thing. She took that ring and she put paper inside to hold it. Ah, this is love. What are you talking about? But because it was so big, the ring got lost. <laughs> it was that big. Anyway, what I'm saying is when you are in love, love makes you do all kinds of of crazy things. As a man that is married, you know, a man that is married, is it that he's blind and he doesn't see other attractive women? No. But because he's committed to his wife, he loves his wife, he doesn't want to lose his wife, you know, it doesn't matter how many attractive pretty women walk by, he sees them, acknowledges them, and goes by on his way. Why? Love. When you are in love, love puts guardrails in our lives. It puts guardrails. You know, in, in music, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, this is what they told us when I was in the choir. 
When I was in the choir, they told us, you don't drink cold water, especially if you're going to minister. You drink warm tea. You put honey. That's what you do because you are passionate about doing that thing you love. You want to do it well. If you see somebody that wants to show up anyhow, sing anyhow, say, I'm just singing unto the Lord now. That's an unserious person. That one one is just making a joyful noise unto the Lord. But somebody that is passionate, you know, will put those restrictions on themselves. Why? Because they are passionate about what they do. You know, an example that comes to mind, just as I'm looking at you, I thought about him before now, but as you were, as I'm looking at you, Izuna, you want to deal with since a long time. I think early, even before he entered university, he already made up his mind he's going to be a neurosurgeon, something like that. The, the one important thing to him in his life is his academics. You want to deal with him. You go and mess with his academics. He will score a low 90s and he will be mad at himself. You know why? It's passionate. It's passionate. What do you, what are you passionate about? Is there any passion in you for anything? You know, my, uh, one of the twins, my daughter, uh, Shell, it became a thing of punishment, you know. Well, if you don't do your chores, you are not going to, you are not going to go work out. Because she was the lead person in their 300 huddles thing in in their school. She was away for one year. The moment she came back, she became the lead number one on the varsity team as soon as she came back. And that passion, we're at home in the living room, we're watching TV, she's working out. She's working out. She's strengthening her core. You know why? She's in love with that track event. And she wants to be successful at it. What I'm saying this morning, what I've seen, the example I've seen in our lives and in scripture is that love puts guardrails in our lives. If you are truly in love, it limits you, it puts guardrails in your life that I can go this far and beyond that I can't go. Why? Because I'm in love. You know, I was having a conversation with my wife uh, a while back. And she told me, well, you did X, Y, Z. When you do that, it it disrespects my person. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't see it like that. Guess what? That thing is never going to happen again. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because I I didn't commit sin. It wasn't a sin. But she said, she just didn't like it. She said, you doing that, it, it makes me feel like you don't value me. And because of that, I said, okay, no problem. I don't have to do it. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. So what I'm saying today is love informs and compels behavior. So when I say I love God, you see where I'm going now? When I say I love God, it compels me to behave a certain way. And when I don't behave a certain way, it brings into question my love for God. Let's read the scripture. John chapter 14, verse 15, the Bible says, if you love me, obey my commandments. It's saying the proof of your love for me, God, is that you do what I say. 
So if I don't do what he says, if I don't obey his commandments, I cannot claim to love him. John 15, you read from verse 10. It says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obeyed my father's commandment and remain in his love. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, what I'm asking you to do is what I have done. I'm not putting a requirement on you that I've not put on myself. Why? Because love compels behavior. Love dictates behavior. Love dictates how we live. Amen? In verse 14, very quickly, he said, you are my friend if you do, verse 14 rather, John 15, 14, you are my friend if you do what I command. And we have read this before, uh, 1 John chapter 2, 3 to 5. 1 John chapter 2, 3 to 5. It says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Amen? We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandment, that person is what? A liar. That person is a liar. And it's not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. You see that? So, my obedience is what confirms my love for God or my love of God. Either way you want to say. Amen? So, love compels us to do things. We do certain things for the people we love. Why? Because we love them. Amen. We have such so, some duty and responsibility to what to us people we love. Why? Because we love them. So love compels us to behave in a certain way. Your love for God will dictate how you live. We read this last week, and we're going to transition to today from there. First John chapter three verse three. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 says, And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. You know, so when somebody says, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, can you imagine me saying to my wife, Oh, I'm struggling with adultery? You know, so I come to her and say, I'm sorry. I did it again. You know, and then next week I come back. I don't know the devil that came upon me. <laughs> I did it again. And then three days later, I, come on now. At which point is enough enough? I praise the Lord. So the way we live is dictated by the one we love. Amen. Is it that? For the married men in the house, you don't see other attractive women. No. But commitment and love. Amen? Amen. Keeps us focused and keeps us pure. So our text today, we'll read from uh, 1 John chapter 3, 4 to 10, very quickly. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. We talked about this before. When we define what is law, what is sin. We say sin is a violation of God's law. Amen. Uh, verse 5. 
He said, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. What's he saying? He's saying, for those of us that have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he's saying, our sins he has taken away. Amen? So we are no longer a slave to sin. Sin does, is no longer our master. The Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you any longer. So as a believer, as a child of God, sin does not have dominion over me. It means when it comes to the matter of sin, I have a choice. I have a choice. I'm daily presented with a choice. Am I going to obey God's command or am I going to satisfy my flesh? Let's continue reading. Verse 6, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. And anyone who keeps on sinning, watch this, watch close. Anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So I cannot say, oh, this flesh is just a problem for me. No, 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 no. It's saying, if I'm in Christ, then sin does not have power over me. I can choose what I do, and I can choose what I don't do. Amen? Many of us are in church this morning, not because you didn't have anything else to do. But you made a decision, probably last night, right? That I'm going to go to church in the morning, and you picked out what you're going to wear. And when it came time, boom, you woke up, you did your stuff, and now you're in church. It's a choice for us believers, for someone that has not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they don't have a choice, they must sin. Why? Because that is their nature. But the sinful nature is no longer your nature. The sinful nature is no longer my nature. Hallelujah. But let's continue to read. Verse 7, he said, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. And the converse is also true. When people do what is wrong, what does it show? They are unrighteous. Amen. Amen. Then verse 8. He said, but when people keep on sinning, watch this now. These are not my words. This is scripture. I want you to don't get mad at me. All right. He said, but when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. When people keep on sinning and making excuses for their sins, he says it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning from, since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. I want to remind you here, this letter was written to believers. This letter was written to a church such as this. This letter was written to people such as yourself. And myself. Amen. He said, understand, when people keep on sinning, the only thing it reveals is that they belong to the devil. Because the devil has been sinning since the beginning of time. Amen. And Jesus 
has destroyed the work of the devil. Let's continue reading. It says, but, not but, that those, verse 9, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now, we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Watch this. Let me put the question to you. He said, now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. How can we tell anybody? Just speak up. It doesn't matter. How do we tell who are the children of God? Huh? Your character as in the way you act, as in acting righteously. Okay. How do we know the children of the devil? He said, if you keep on sinning, it just proves one thing. You are a child of the devil. Not you, but whoever that person is. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so watch this. Watch this. We defined sin. We said sin, and if you have the church app, this, the sermon note is, or is in the church app. We defined or described sin a while back. We said it's a violation of the word of God or, the, or God's law. And we read that in verse 4 just now. It, it means to miss the mark or to err or make a mistake. So for a believer, sinning cannot be a lifestyle. It can't be something you're doing and doing and doing. Does that mean you can't be tripped over? No, you can be tripped over. Why? Because we, are, we have not attained to that level of perfection yet where nothing ever goes wrong. Right? So, when something happens, it should be the exception. It can't be the norm. They cannot say that that is your life when they are referring to you as a child of God. Why? Because Jesus has taken care of the issue of sin for us believers. The Bible says the Son of Man was made manifest, we just read it, to destroy the works of the devil. And he has done that. A very successful job at that. Amen? So, sin does not have control over my life. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 tells us that. It says, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So, for those of us followers of Christ, sin is, is not our lifestyle. Amen? So, the question I put here for us is, so why then do Christians still sin? Why do we still sin? The answer is simpler than you think. There is a pleasure that comes with sin. Otherwise, if it's something that is bringing you hardship and sorrow and bitterness, and you wouldn't do it. Amen? There is a pleasure that is derived from sin. If, have you noticed? Have you noticed? That if, if the day they tell you you cannot do something, that's the day something in you just wants to do it. Let me give you an example I think many people will be able to relate with. On days when you are not fasting, 
three o'clock, you have not eaten, and you are not even feeling it. But the day you say, tomorrow is a fasting day, you wake up famished. You're, you have a headache. Everything is happening. You say, ah, I have to eat. <laughs> and it's not just you, me too. <laughs> the day that you say, today, today, I am, all hell breaks loose. So that very thing, think about the Garden of Eden. God said, of every tree in the garden, from what we have been told by Bible scholars, the Garden of Eden is like from here to Dallas. Is that huge? And of all the trees there, you can eat anything and everything except this one. Guess what? That's the one the devil invited. He said, come and see. Look, look at this tree. Is it not beautiful? Look at the fruit. Ah, it will be good to eat. But you have countless, countless trees in the garden, fruits of every kind that you can eat from. The one exception is the one that the enemy presented. So there's a pleasure that comes with, yes, so what? Nobody can hold me accountable. I did it. Uh -huh. What are you going to do? So there's something in us that wants to use up the authority of God in our heart. So the very thing you are told not to do is the very thing that you sort of kind of desire to do. Hebrews 11.25 tells us this. It says, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. The he here is referring to Moses. Moses had a choice between the palace and enjoying the good life and suffering with the children of God in the wilderness. But he knew the will of God. So he chose to suffer instead of pleasure. Think about it. For many of us, except God just supernaturally and divinely helps us, if you had a choice between the palace and the jungle, ah, come on now. Say, would you rather work in the White House or work in the Amazon jungle? <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Eh? Kemi, which one would you, White House, be the physician to the doctor, I mean to the president? <laughs> do you understand what I So don't let's be quick to judge people. Because when you think about it, the rational thing to do is to stay in the, in the palace. You say, I will use my influence in the palace to change the life of the people. But that's not what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says he chose the, to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. I put it to you today. That whether or not you obey God as a child of God, as a believer, whether or not you believe, or whether or not you obey, is an, is an act of your choice. It's an act of your choice. So I said, let's talk about the nature of sin very quickly and what Christ did for us. Uh, to defeat an enemy, you need to know your enemy. Is that not so? <laughs> so, number one, I said sin is rooted in human nature. Amen? Jo uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, you know this. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the Bible says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. 
who really knows how bad it is. The unregenerated mind is so deceitful. It's so wicked. How many people teach their children to do mean things? Say, when you are playing with that babe, that other child in daycare today, just take your toy and whack his head. <laughs> your parent does that. But it's in it. You just see that. <laughs> there was another video I posted. A little boy. The dog was messing with him. He pulled the dog close and bite the dog. <laughs> that is news. Dog bite man is not news. But man bites dog. <laughs> Who taught him to do that? Little boy. Little boy. Amen. It is rooted in human nature to sin. That is why after you have accepted Christ, you must know who you are in Christ Jesus. You must know your place and know that I'm in charge. Somebody say, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Satan is not in charge of my life. No demon is in charge of my life. I am in charge. Why? The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Grab a hold of your emotions and understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Because of time, I'm going to skip over. I put a few other scriptures there uh, for our learning. So I say, stop trying to please God in the flesh. You can't do it in your flesh. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and that work has been done and perfected in our lives. Number two, it's important that you know that the devil is the initiator of sin. The devil is the initiator of sin. Do you know? We don't, the Bible doesn't tell us, but they had been in the garden for a period of time. You know, they have seen that tree, they have ignored that tree, they have gone about their way until he invited her. He said, Check out that tree. He said, What about it? Oh, it's beautiful. Until the devil called her attention to it, it was not a problem. Amen? Amen. Until the devil said, look at it again. Take another look. So be careful who is speaking to you. Who is suggesting thoughts to your heart? If it's not from the word of God, cast them out. The Bible says, casting down strongholds. Amen? Amen? The devil is the initiator of sin. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 13, the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? She said, the, 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 the serpent deceived me. The serpent deceived me. And that is the truth. The initiator of sin is the devil. And that is why you must make sure that your eyes, the Bible says, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 11 and the third verse. He said, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Listen, this is a warning for all of us. The apostle is writing to the church at Corinth. He said, one of my concerns for you 
is that your love, your purity, your devotion to Christ may be corrupted. There are many things that can corrupt our devotion. There are many things that may take our attention away and then begin to cause us to compromise in our work and in our faith. Amen? And when you begin to notice such things, you must ask yourself, listen, on Friday I said something. The Bible says that the prosperity of the fool shall be his own destruction. And therefore, because God knows that, when I'm not ready for something, God is not going to give it to me yet. You know why? Because if anything that God gives me, that I know this thing is of God, guess what? My devotion to that thing is going to remain as long as God is in it. And the moment you remove God from me, that's where I draw the line. That's where I draw the line. Say, no, 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 no. Yes, you may have been God sent. <laughs> but now that you are leading me in error, maybe the devil is uh, corrupting your being sent. This is where I draw the line. This is where I draw the line. We must know when and where to draw the line. Because many people's devotion is being corrupted. You know, there's this care that is in, in the air, everywhere, all over the world. The whole, the whole world was shut down because of this pandemic. But fear cannot trump faith. Hallelujah. We'll take precautions, but we cannot allow fear to rule our heart. So that the thing that we're doing now is not doing the needful, it's just avoiding everything altogether. No. No. I know my wife still goes to work. Right? Why would she go to work and not come to church? In fact, as a nurse, <laughs> there is every, the likelihood of exposure is high in the hospital. Right? Dr. Bodin is in the house this morning. Dr. Kemi is in the house. Dr. Yinka is in the house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why Dr. Obiageli? <laughs> Dr. Isaac Wesili? All the doctors are in the house. Even though, ma, even though they go to work and they are exposed all the time. Once you protect yourself, then you show up and be alive. He said, my fear my fear is that your devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Be careful. Be mindful. So that your devotion to Christ is not corrupted. Number three, very quickly. The devil is a tempter. You know, the devil is wicked. There's nothing good about the devil. I'm telling you the truth. If you didn't know, I'm, I'm telling you. Very wicked. The devil that will offer you something and say, do it, nobody will know. After you do it, it's the same devil that will go and tell others, see what he has done. It will trick you to a corner, and then it will expose you once you have landed in that corner. The devil is the tempter. And the temptation in itself is not a problem. You know that, right? Jesus was tempted. Matthew chapter 4, you read from verse 1 to 11. Jesus was tempted. What you do with temptation 
is what determines your outcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Time is uh, never our friend. But let's, let's wrap this up very quickly. Number four, the devil is the source of sinful behavior. John chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 38 and then jump to 44. He said, I am telling you what I saw when I was with, your, with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. You are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What inspires you? What drives you? Is it your love for God or your love for stuff? Amen? What drives you? What motivates you? What causes you to do what you do? The fact that you're here today, what drove you to come? Is it out of love for God? Or I don't want pastor to say. <laughs> and I've stopped saying. Really. Because I don't want anybody to do just because pastor has said. Listen. We must make sure our driver is the word of God. Our inspiration is the word of God. The scripture says, whose report would you believe? Say, we will believe the report of the Lord. What does the report of the Lord say? Say, I'm free. He says, I'm healed. He says, I have victory on every side. The report of the Lord concerning you is a good report. The report of the Lord concerning me is a good report. He said, I shall live, I will not die. To declare the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. If you believe that, shout a loud hallelujah. hallelujah. I will not die, I will live. That's what he says. That's what the word of the Lord says. Number five, finally. Bad influences will lead you to sinful behavior. You know, I, I hear some jokers that say it doesn't matter. I know who I am. You know, nobody can make me do anything I don't want to do. Here's the scripture for you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He said, don't be fooled by those who say such things. What were the such things? Uh, those that were justifying their behavior. He said, don't be fooled by those. He said, for bad company corrupts good character. The English proverb says, show me your friend and I will tell you who you are. By the company you keep, I can tell the kind of person you are. There's no way you say, oh, no, 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 I'm just different. They are my friends, but they are not like, if your friends don't share your values, you need new friends. For real. For real. It was one of the things that I had to do in my early days as a believer. Because I was able to trace my falling back and stepping back to my friends, you know, so I stepped away, you know, and when they saw that I stepped away, they didn't leave me alone, they were still coming after me, and one day one of my friends called and said, Koye, let's go hang, I said, I'm not hanging out, he said, why, I said, that Koye is dead, he said, I know, 
is always dying and resurrecting. I said this time is dead for good. And to the glory of God and the shame of the devil, that Koye is dead. Is dead. Is dead. Is dead. Praise the Lord. So how must I respond to sin? Listen to this very quickly. I'm going to, I mean, everything is there. You can read up. Uh, and if you have any question, ask me. Give up bad influences in your life. That's the first thing you need to do. Anything in your life that is a bad influence, give it up. You know, these are just sensible steps to take to be successful in life. If you want to, if you want to prosper, how much does it help you hanging out with broke people? What secret are they going to share with you? So I'm broker than you. Let me show you how to be more broke than you are right now. If you want to be successful, <laughs> you don't hang around failures. People that are, you, when you see someone that has attained and achieved what you want to do, then you associate with such a person so they can show you and help you learn the path to success. Get rid of bad influences in your life. If your friends are those that are always inviting you to parties, anytime you get together, there's never a time that I would let's share the scriptures. Oh, I was praying yesterday, this is what the Lord said. They don't have any word of encouragement. It's all about loss of the flesh and pride of life. That is what is going to grow on you. Watch your friends. Watch your companies. And I gave the example of uh, Solomon there. When you get home, you can read it. Uh, number two, devote your life to Christ. Titus chapter 2 verse 12, it says, And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live, we, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Amen? Yearn and hunger after the things of Christ. Yearn and hunger after the things of the Lord. Pursue, seek to know him more and more every day. And finally, surrender your life to Christ. Give him full control. There's a song, an old song uh, that we used to sing. Uh, I'm not sure I can sing it through. If anybody knows it, maybe you can sing with me. Lover of my soul, shepherd of my soul. I give you full control wherever you may live, I will follow. I wherever you may live, I will follow. Let's rise to our feet. I give you full control wherever you may I will follow to listen to your voice wherever you may I will follow.
been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.